Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the CXCast, your source for all things experience. I am co-host Angelina Jenis here with Adele Sage. Hey, Adele. Hey, Angelina. Hello, and we have our special guest, one of my teammates on the Future of Work research team here at Forrester. It's JP Gounder, Vice President and Principal Analyst. Hey, JP. Thank you both for having me. We're so excited for you to be here. And we have been keeping up on your research. I can't read every report everyone writes at Forrester, but I have read every single report you've been writing in the past year because this is a hot topic, folks. We're talking about the future of work itself, the anywhere work opportunity. And JP, just to start out, do you mind telling us a little bit about what anywhere work is, why this is an important coverage area for you? Yeah, you know, uh, for me and for Andrew Hewitt, who sits on the INO team, and for some other folks, we've been barraged with questions about policy, which is to say most companies traditionally had a remote work policy, which was kind of a list of things that you can and you can't do. And what we've determined over the last 18 months of research through the pandemic, even starting a little bit before that, is that we need to move from thinking about what we could think of as remote work policy to an anywhere work strategy. And we define that as the recognition that employee engagement leads to better customer outcomes. And then we work from that premise to equip employees with the resources, the technology, the cultural resources, the leadership resources to support work in various contexts, whether that is working remotely as most knowledge workers did for a period of time during the pandemic, or what we're moving into for many companies now, which is hybrid work, where you have an office, but you have greater levels of flexibility and more anywhere work. So it's a more strategic approach to thinking about when and where we get work done, how we structure our time, and what resources we're going to give to employees to help them to be productive in service of customers. Got it. And a lot of this decision-making up until this point has been very reactive. We're trying to solve problems we didn't anticipate. But one of your reports is entitled, Don't Miss Your Anywhere Work Opportunity. Can you tell us what the opportunity in this is, not just the on-the-spot problem-solving that we've been doing? No, I think that's a really good question, right? Because so many of the clients I talk to are in firefighting mode. They're just, you know, it's a very stressful time. Again, it's a different stress from the pandemic. but with the pandemic, everything went remote for many companies, unless you were a frontline worker. And, you know, we hope that those folks were able to stay as safe as possible. But for knowledge workers, you know, remoteness has continued. So now you're trying to put the puzzle back together and you're saying, you know, how do we bring back the power of the office while not jettisoning all of the learnings that we got from the pandemic? And so, you know, the question becomes, how do we proceed with a strategy that is accommodating, that is energizing, and that creates a business case? And that's where the don't miss your opportunity comes in. There are both EX benefits and overall business benefits. And there's a whole list in the report, but let's just start with improved employee experience. We know that customer experience is often driven by employee experience. Our colleague, Dave Johnson, has done eight years of incredible work in this area. And we know that engaged employees who are loyal and stick around and have a sense of purpose and autonomy are gonna do well on behalf of customers. So that's one kind of benefit. But on the other side, there are things that seem more business-centric, like reducing your commercial real estate footprint. If you move to an anywhere work strategy that is a office 
plus anywhere hybrid, then you are in the, the driver's seat to maybe have people come in and use hoteling or hot desks and have them come in a couple days a week and lower the size of your office overall. There are a lot of different possible benefits in that report, but the idea here is that if you want to attract and retain talent, if you want to build the right kind of culture, and if you want to be able to take maximum advantage of new technology, all of those things are actually driven by having a good Anywhere Work strategy. Can you give us any examples of what a good Anywhere Work strategy actually looks like? You know, to the extent that you can name names, I think that's helpful for people to hear too. There is, of course, no single configuration of an Anywhere Work strategy. What it is is a set of principles. And so therefore, your own Anywhere Work strategy will be suited to your culture, your vertical industry, your business strategy, everything that is unique to you. But there are companies that are uh, making big changes. Microsoft, one of the largest companies in the world, did a lot of work analytically tracking how work got done during the pandemic. And one thing they noticed was that during the period of true lockdown, their build engineers who submit code were working at different times. And they know this not because they track the engineers, but because they're build engineers, they actually enter a build. <laughs> so they're looking at where are the builds happening and they found a dispersion effect. So people were working early in the morning, late in the evening because of childcare, because of elder care, because of all of the things we've had to deal with over the last year and a half. And so they said, well, let's take some learnings from all of this experience. And so number one, from now on at Microsoft, every role will default to flexible hours. And that means that workers can work with their uh, managers and determine what are their, their working hours. Second, they're going to move to two days working anywhere you want, three days in the office, with also a class of workers who may be fully remote for opportunistic hires. Now, how will this work? Well, Microsoft is still in the process of, of getting that done, but they have done the right things. They've gotten all the data, they have talked to lots of employees, and they've taken the principles of flexibility, autonomy, employee experience, and they've applied them to this strategy. So I am sure that they will refine it over time and figure out what works best, but they're not operating from a position of ignorance because they have a lot of data. It sounds like leadership needs to be really clear and transparent about the strategy they're going to be proposing, but also say that they are going to be flexible in how they're thinking about this as it plays out. I see a lot of organizations say, we're going to do a grand reveal of our strategy in three weeks and nothing else. So what is that healthy balance of revealing the strategy, but also having some flexibility, making people feel like it's not necessarily the end all be all. And bringing employees along with the journey, right? So they feel like they're yep. being heard and included. Yeah, I mean, there's a big change management component. There's a big co-creation component. It has to work on behalf of employees. I mean, that is what's going to drive the engagement and that drives the productivity that drives the customer experience. But what we're finding too is, you know, I think to both of your points, if you go in thinking this is the grand reveal and this is set in stone, these are tablets that we've chiseled, that's going to be problematic because we're in a world of continuous change. We don't actually even know, frankly, what will happen with the pandemic, even in countries that are highly vaccinated with variants and that sort of thing. We don't know what other systemic risk events will come up. And we don't have a really great model of parity, which is the sense that everyone, whether they are remote or they are in the office, feels like they have an equal place at the table, that they are having a, a co-equal experience, that they are being treated similarly, that they're basically able to be as effective. 
during the pandemic, all of us, you know, in the knowledge industry were, we're all remote. And now we're going to be in this situation where some are in person, some are remote. We need to make technology investments to make that happen. We need to make cultural investments to make sure that there are shepherds of this new experience, right? Leaders need to step up and make sure that the old world pre-pandemic where someone is remote, they're a third class citizen, you know, they don't know what's going on on the whiteboard or whatever, but that doesn't happen again. One of my clients was telling me that the executives at her company have decided to, once the clock starts, they're going to wait six months before coming out with anything, you know, etched in stone, <laughs> any tablets. They're going to just hold off and kind of observe and let people transition slowly back into what feels like a new normal for them. It's the first time I've heard of that from any of my clients. And I think that to me, it seems so smart to start out with the flexibility. We had such an abrupt change when we suddenly, literally overnight, all went home. We thought it was only for two weeks, but we went, you know, we went home and we never came back. And we have an opportunity to not be so abrupt. And that just seems like a really smart choice on their part to take it slowly. Is that something that you're seeing other companies doing? And what advice would you give the executives in that situation? What do they need to do in that six-month period to then make a good decision? Yeah, it's kind of a bell curve. I talk to companies, the leadership level that I talk to might be a little bit below C-level, and they say, we're frustrated because our C-level executives are wedded to this really specific plan. Other times folks are doing what you're saying, but those that would be a leader, you know, that would be a leading edge behavior. And you kind of understand because traditionally employees want certainty around what's going to be going on. Again, if you're, you know, you may have childcare obligations, elder care obligations, you may have a whole bunch of things and you just want to know what's going to happen. But the reality is we do live in a world of continuous change. And the best thing that you can do is to start to gather some very productive data during this return to office. So to give you an example, in the recent report that Andrew Hewitt and I wrote, Hot Desks or Cold Employee Experiences Report, which is all about using hoteling software for flex desks. One of the vendors who does only data analysis said, you know, most decisions that we make in business are very data infused these days, but we don't really have a true data baseline that is identical to what we're walking into. Now, again, my earlier example of Microsoft, they used the data that they had, but they don't have hybrid office data. They have pandemic data and they have pre-pandemic data. So these folks are saying, look, figure out what desks are people actually using. You can actually work with vendors who will get down to the level of individual desks. They'll instrument them with IoT sensors or they'll use uh, Bluetooth or other technologies to figure where people are sitting. How are people collaborating? Do they want more big open spaces? Do they want huddle rooms? Do they want more conference rooms? Or are they enjoying collaborating across flex desks? That's not going to be one answer for all companies either. It depends on what kind of vertical you're in, your culture, your business model. So I think being ready to make some changes, to iterate, to experiment is good. But the one warning is that people do like to have certainty. So error on the side of EX centricity, give people some latitude and flexibility, allow high risk people who are scared to come back to the office right away, some flexibility. There's a lot of things you can do to make this better. And the last thing, of course, for this audience in particular is measure the impacts of 
overtime on, on customers. Now, what happened during the pandemic is on average, productivity went up. This is because people not only lost those commutes, often had more time. There was also an element of, I don't want to lose my job during a downturn. I mean, there were a lot of reasons why this happened. So I think people want to do the right thing. I think you can even harness anywhere work on behalf of customers by allowing them to take more flexible hours. And then guess what? You're the late night worker. Well, maybe there's a customer who needs your assistance at that unusual hour who you would never have served before. So flexibility is hard to manage, but it is a ver- it's like a superpower right now. You mentioned how a lot of the strategy should be informed by culture, by existing structures. Do you think, and I know this is a total prediction, do you think that this is going to change corporate cultures moving forward? I think inevitably it will, and but it again will not be a uniform change on all of them. There are definite holdouts uh, publicly who've said, we want to go back to the way things were in the past. Our prediction is 30% of firms will, in fact, try to replicate the old world. But I think they're going to run into some problems. And some of those problems are going to revolve around the power that employees have. On the Future of Work team, we believe that employee power is one of the four shocks that will reshape the future of work. We think that people can go on Glassdoor and they can review their employers. They can use the anonymous blind app to talk to other employees. They can do social media and tweet about their experiences. And so the truth is that if you have a restrictive set of policies here, you have to start to imagine you're going to have higher levels of attrition, you're going to have higher churn, and you're going to lose out on candidates. When people say, I'm choosing between two employers, they're going to say, I want to work more flexibly. Now, some of what you see in the media could be overhyped because surveys say 40% of people want to leave their job. Well, guess what? Not everyone who says they want to leave their job, leave their job. But there is going to be pressure short term and longer term about the conditions of how effectively your employer makes you productive. And people really are going to take that into account. So I think it's going to create some market pressure on culture. And then there's also the positive, which is people have the opportunity to reshape things. I talked to a client yesterday who said, you know, we made investments in technology and it turns out the technology that they invested in was perfect for hybrid work. It's going to mean that people who are in the room are going to be able to see much more effectively what's going on both in the room and outside the room. And and so now they're putting into place some cultural guidelines to say, what is the practice during our meetings? How do we accommodate that? How do we retrain our middle managers on that? Uh, How do we help facilitators facilitate meetings, that sort of thing? I just want to share that one of my favorite internet memes of late, something from Twitter where somebody wrote, April 2020, I hate working from home. April 2021, if they make me come back to the office, I'll quit. <laughs> right? right. Like just the just the change that we've all experienced in one year and how we feel about being in the office and being home is certainly palpable. Because we all have the experience now of understanding on a regular basis the benefits. And we also know some of the demerits. By the way, there was an academic study that I cite in one of our reports that said 61% of employees actually want some form of hybrid because they actually miss the kind of real world interactions that they can have. And it's not as though everybody wants to work full time remote forever. Not everyone's living situation is conducive to that. People have had to buy real estate to be able to work remotely. Like it's a big 
big deal. And so the belief that we have is that the Office Plus Anywhere hybrid is going to give the best mix of flexibility and also the benefits to the office. And then the big theme here is give your people a reason to want to come back to the office. That reason could be enhanced collaboration. That reason could be in-office technologies. It could be you change it into customer-facing moments when they have to come to the office. Like there's a lot of possibilities, but have something in mind here. Don't just mandate it because you think they need to come back, but rather craft an experience that will make them more engaged. Yeah, I'm thinking of FOMO, right? If they have some FOMO, then they're more likely to come in. Like, ooh, there's cool things happening in the office. I need to be there sometimes. Yeah, and you know, those cool things should be legit, you know, and not gimmicks. I think Salesforce is a company that is, you know, they obviously have major, major commercial real estate in downtown San Francisco. Can't miss their building. And so, you know, when they thought about their journey, they said, well, we don't want to get rid of these buildings, but what we want to do is we're going to redesign them. So they're getting rid of most of the desk space, not all of it. They're going to have flex desks, but they've decided that the old nine to five, five days a week model is dead. They've decided that they need more collaboration space, long tables, short tables, huddle rooms, cozy spaces, all sorts of collaborative spaces where people can work together. And they're going to do just cultural engineering around flexibility as well. All sorts of companies are telling us they're going to try this. But again, there are those who are the holdouts and we'll see if we're right. But I do think that over time they will feel pressure. I'm laughing because there's this weird parallel with what public libraries have been trying to do for the past few years. They're trying to think of how to make the library a different space than just one where you shush everybody and make it more engaging. And the Boston Public Library putting more cafe space and collaborative space in. I mean, libraries are apparently at the forefront of hybrid work, guys. <laughs> <laughs> and, and look, I mean, that's the thing. We also think of it, it's not just work from home. Some people may choose to work at the library part of the week. And that actually could be a source of them getting some resources that they want and need. Barnes and Noble's done the same thing, really, haven't they? The way they've restructured their stores over time, more cafe space, more tables, come and bring your work, hang out, you know, and you're inevitably going to buy something. I mean, I think there's a lot to be said for this. And it's all because we have the technology that will allow people to connect in these environments that we're able to think of that as an extension of the office. So with all of that in mind, where should EX leaders start on this process of formulating an anywhere work strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think no matter where you are within this process, you can benefit from some of the thinking, the anywhere work calculator that we created. Now, this is an online tool that you can use to score yourself. You can also find it in the previously mentioned report, Don't Miss Your Anywhere Work Opportunity. And basically, this tool comes down to four components. What are the fundamentals of your company and how it's set up? These are some basic characteristics that might drive or inhibit anywhere work. To take a simple example, sometimes if you're in Boeing or something like that, the, the knowledge workers have to be co-located with the producers, with the factory people. That's a limit of sorts on how much time they can spend remotely, even if they've broken that down a bit during the pandemic. So fundamentals, there's a bunch of questions around that. Then there are goals. Now you may have certain goals. You may have areas that you're not actually measuring people on, not looking at results for, and then you're going to lose a little bit of uh, points on that. It, it inhibits your readiness. If you're not actually goaling on it and measuring it, then you're not as serious about it. The third is your technology stack. And again, lots of investments have been made, but not all of them were made for hybrid specifically. And finally, the culture. What are the practices and beliefs that accrue to either positive or negative culture for anywhere work? And how much work do you need to put in? 
Now, what this will do is this calculator just gives you a baseline for where your opportunity is. If you're in the green, it means you can be really forward looking and aggressive and flexible. If you're in the yellow, it means there's a lot of investment areas that you need to consider first. And if you're in the red, it means here's where you start on the investments. It doesn't mean you don't have a flexible return to work strategy, but it doesn't mean that your long-term strategy is ready necessarily for highly flexible anywhere work. So that's a tool that we think can help. And whether you choose to use our tool or not, the thinking behind it is going to be something to be acquainted with, that there are these factors that determine what your opportunity might look like. So while you were doing this research, did you have to pivot? Was there any evolution in your thinking? Because all of this was coming out in real time, right? Yeah, I mean, last year, again, it's a team effort. All of us were thinking about different dimensions of this from, you know, our security and risk folks to our healthcare analysts, uh, everybody. But, you know, the way that it came down was initially it was, uh-oh, how do we make everybody successful remotely? How do we do all these fire drills and make this happen? Then it was, what are the conditions and practices for successful remote work? And then it became around December when we started to see vaccinations or vaccines being okayed by the, the government authorities. Um, hey, let's start thinking about return to office and what that might look like. Everything from, we have a report on vaccination passports that James McQuivey led that you know I was a participant in to the hybrid work stuff that Andrew Hewitt and I have been doing. So Really, that's been kind of the journey. It's been largely driven by the exogenous events of what's happening in the world with regard to COVID. And now we're at a stage where people, though, are seeing COVID more as a catalyst that will influence the next decade of how people work. I see this as a big opportunity for CX teams to get involved in the strategy development here, especially JP, when you mention co-creation, CX teams can really lend their expertise around experience design, design thinking to make sure that it is an employee-centric design experience. Absolutely. You know, I mean, I think it's a little bit all hands on deck right now, and that makes sense. And I would just say, again, we have to link these EX improvements in one way or another to what customers are directly experiencing. You know, the best companies that I talk to, the more forward-looking ones, are finding ways to make the employee's experience drive something new and better for customers. It's not always easy to do, but it is quite possible. And I think we have to also think of this as a long-term effort to align CX with EX, despite the differences between the two disciplines. But there is complementarity there that can be exploited. JP, this has been such a fascinating conversation. Thank you so much for joining us on the CX cast. We would love to have you back someday. Thank you for having me. It was fun. Well, everybody, that was JP Gounder, VP and Principal Analyst on the Future of Work team here at Forrester. And he has told us all about what we need to know about Anywhere Work Strategies. So thanks, everyone, for tuning in. And we will see you next time. Thank you.